This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. A program for and about America's 78 million baby boomers. Here's your host, Freddie Bell. Hi, everyone. This is New Beginnings. I am Freddie Bell. Glad you're with us today. And coming up on the show, many of our favorite partners, including Libel Sturmbach is here, Joe McKenzie, and friends from AARP Minnesota. All this plus the words of the wise on New Beginnings. And our program is underway right now. Dr. Michael Osterholm epidemiologist is joining us. He's a regent professor at the University of Minnesota Public Health and director of the Center for Infectious Disease. Doctor, I'm wondering what would be the most important next step for communities and for our federal government? Well, first of all, uh, it's really kind of hand-in-glove issues here. One is you have to understand that for a pandemic like this, do not be surprised if it lasts three or more years. So anything you do for one day or one week or one month Mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily dictate what happens. I mean, the, the Chinese had this major draconian lockdowns that they went through for better part of two-plus years of the pandemic. And everybody said, ah, look how, you know, what they're doing. They're suppressing this. They're keeping people from getting sick and dying. But then as soon as they finally released themselves from these uh, stringent uh, conditions, what happened? So many people got infected. About 1.8 million Chinese died in the two months after they released these restrictive requirements. And so we have to understand it's a sum total game for three years. What are you going to do to get to the end of the third year? The second thing I think we should have learned is the absolute importance of trust. I think there was a real bond of public health has to have with its community to get people to understand why do you want to do this? What what is the reason for your self-interest to do certain things? And, you know, people lost trust in public health. And so I think we have to regain that. We have to start out by just being honest and saying, what do we know and not know? And how did we learn it? And what do we still not know? And this is how we're trying to learn it. And so I think that those two things are really huge. The final one, the third thing I think, though, that uh, is, is key also is vaccines. We know vaccines can be absolutely critical in saving lives. These vaccines that we had now, even though they weren't great, they were good vaccines, but they didn't protect permanently on and on and on for years and years. And yet they still saved likely over 3 million lives in this pandemic so far here in the United States. And so I think that's really an important message to get out. I believe people have become immune to your immune message. How do we break through that and vaccine and get the vaccine into the minds of people who are resistant? Well, I think it's really important in terms of messaging and the very fact you and I are having this conversation. You know, you have been a wonderful voice into the black community in terms of getting factual information. You know, you just you call balls and strikes. And I, I so appreciate that about you. That's what we all need to do. People have to trust what they're hearing. You know, it can't be somehow that they think they're being coerced or that this is the big hairy arm of government. You know, this is what I recommend for my family. Why, you know, so I surely am going to recommend it to yours, too. And I think that we have to just keep hitting that message home about what do we know and how do we know it. So, therefore, what people themselves judge the information and what we don't know and what we're learning and how are we going to go about learning that and how do we share it. 
And uh, I think that 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 really is just something we have to keep our eye on and just keep doing it. And, um, you know, hopefully over time, people will regain trust in or at least more trust in public health. My last question actually comes from a line in your book. Uh, Doctor, is there more is there more a more important project to save lives and the human race from a medical and economic disaster uh, from which it will take more decades to recover? Um, you know, I, I think that it's it's really important to understand that when this pandemic hit, it not only took lives, but look how it disrupted our world. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of our worlds. But even look at the fact of what it did to the economy. I mean, the world went into a global recession of major, major impact because of this pandemic. Uh, look what it's done to other health issues. People didn't come in for screening for cancer. They didn't do a lot of the normal health routines that they would do, and now they're suffering And for that. You know, it's in a sense, it's almost COVID-related cancers because they didn't get caught early enough. And there's, I could go through a laundry list of all the impacts that this particular virus has had. And, and so that there, if you think about from a societal standpoint, there are a few things we could do that would better improve our whole entire lot than to avoid a future pandemic. And we can do that. I believe seriously can do that if we continue to put major efforts into researching new vaccines that are even better. Let's go from good to great. And I think if we had those early in a pandemic, we could fundamentally change the course of history. My granddaughter just sent me a text, Dr. Ostrom, <laughs> and uh, I think I was going to end on the last question, but I have to ask you this. She says, sure. uh, I'm 17. Can you ask him if this will ever go away before I become 21? Well, first of all, let me just say to your granddaughter, she's lucky to have you as a grandfather, okay? So that's good. (laughs) Second of all, as a grandfather, you're very fortunate to have a granddaughter that listens to you and actually sends you an email. I'm really impressed. That's that's pretty darn special, Freddie. It was a text. Yeah, yeah, and and text, okay? And and I would say, unfortunately, the answer is no, it's not. Mm. You know, it's not going to be like it was in the first three years with these huge peaks in cases and thousands of deaths each week. But this is now here. And, uh, you know, I had that very same question asked of me in the early 1980s when HIV finally arrived. And, and uh, people said, you know, is this going to be with us forever? And I said, yep, it is. Nobody wanted to hear that. Well, here we are, you know, uh, 40 years later, and we're still dealing with HIV around the world. Dr. Ostrom, I can't thank you enough for being with us and sharing. Thank you, sir. I always enjoy it. I appreciate your effort to get the message out. You, you are really an important messenger. Thank, thank you. you. And you're important to us as well. Thanks for being with us. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi again, everyone. I'm Freddie Bell, and welcome back to New Beginnings. And joining us right now, a man who is trying to make sure that you keep more of your hard-earned money. I'm talking about Mr. John Schwartz. He is the founder of the Center for Combating Elder Financial Abuse. Welcome back to the show. And uh, you have a case today that talks about some activity in Minnesota. Yeah, absolutely, Freddie. Hey, thank you very much for uh, having me uh, back today. Yes, we found this uh, case uh, out of the uh, District of Minnesota and thought uh, we'd share it uh, on your show today. So talk about this. How much money is involved in this particular case that we're highlighting today? 
So, Freddie, this is amazing. This uh, individual pleaded guilty for uh, his participation in a $300 million nationwide marketing fraud scheme that targeted elderly and uh, vulnerable victims. $300 million. Think of the financial devastation this causes. That's crazy. So how did it unfold? Tell us about it. So uh, what we have here is uh, that he pleaded guilty on December 8th, 2022, which was only seven months ago which is really interesting. And then I compare this to another case that of a, a financial predator who also stole $300 billion. And that individual was Scott Cohen, who pleaded guilty for conducting a Ponzi investment scheme. And uh, he pled uh, and he was sentenced in August of, tw- of August 18th, 2022. So these uh, two cases are only a month apart. How this individual, uh, Russell Rahman, uh, conducted his scheme is he sold uh, magazines uh, subscriptions through a telemarketing uh, fraud scheme and then was able to entice over 150,000 elderly victims in this uh, scheme that lasted over uh, 10 years. Oh, my gosh. So a lot of people have been hurt. Is there any chance of recovery with something like this, these two cases, John? Uh, There is a chance, uh, Freddie, but I'll say that... uh, it's a very uh, small chance, and that's the that's the uh, real sad uh, part about this uh, crime. Three hundred million dollars gone. Uh, only a fraction of this will probably ever be recovered. So, in essence, these one hundred and fifty thousand uh, victims may only see a fraction of the money that they lost. Interesting. What did, uh, from what you understand, what did the U.S. Attorney uh, Erica McDonald have to say about these cases? She had a very, very strong statement. Let me share that with you. So this is uh, her statement uh, verbatim. She said, this case represents the largest elder fraud scheme in our nation. More than 150,000 elderly and vulnerable victims across the United States have been identified in what is essentially a criminal action case. She went on further to say, unfortunately, we live in a world where fraudsters are willing to take advantage of seniors who are off." who are often trusting and polite. It's my hope that this prosecution is a call for vigilance and caution. And uh, she's exactly right. I mean, Freddie, that's that's it in a nutshell. These predators will target our uh, most vulnerable because they are trusting and polite, which makes them a a perfect uh, target. So this is really goes into the wheelhouse of what the Elder Financial Abuse, the Center for Combating Financial Abuse does is to help protect the citizens and their money. Well, it does. Absolutely, Freddie. And we do that through education. And, you know, the first step of the education that uh, we want to do is make people aware of the uh, size and scope of the threat posed by these financial predators. So we have two data points now. We have Russell Rahm, who we're describing in this case, but we also have Scott Cohen, who just in August of last year, pled guilty to stealing $300 million through a Ponzi scheme. So educating our nation's 56 million elders on the size and scope of the threat posed by these financial predators is step number one for us. All right. So if our listeners would like more information about the Center for Combating Elder Financial Abuse, what can we do? Where would you suggest that we go? Hey, thank you very much, uh, Freddie. So we have a a website. Uh, It's... uh, the URL is endefa.org. Again, endefa.org. And uh, go to the very front page of that and go to the resources tab. 
and you'll see uh, summaries of 18 convicted uh, predators that we uh, do a highlight and summary on. And that's our education process, teaching individuals what the predator looks like and their different tactics that they used will help protect our nation's 56 million elders. The website again is endefa.org. I'll say it again, endefa.org, End Elder Financial Abuse. John, I can't thank you enough for being with us and sharing some really up-to-date information hitting right in Minnesota where a lot of our listeners are about elder financial abuse. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, thank you very much, Freddie. And now it's time for It Happened This Week. In 1803, U.S. statesman Samuel Adams died at the age of 81. In 1916, the San Diego Zoo was founded. In 1919, President Woodrow Wilson suffered a stroke that left him partially paralyzed. In 1937, 26-year-old Ronald Reagan made his big-screen acting debut in Love is in the Air. In 1949, the longtime radio show The Aldrich Family debuted on NBC television. It also became the first television sitcom. In 1950, the first Peanuts comic strip appeared in nine newspapers. In 1959, The Twilight Zone aired for the first time on CBS. Rod Serling was the creator and host of the show. In 1970, a plane crashed in Colorado. On board was the Wichita State University football team, its staff, and supporters. The crash killed 31 of 40 people on board. In 1985, Rock Hudson died after a battle with AIDS at the age of 59. He starred in several projects, including the television show McMillan and Wife and the film Pillow Talk. In 1995, O.J. Simpson's eight-month murder trial came to an end when the jury hearing Simpson's case reached a verdict of not guilty after only four hours of deliberation. In 1996, former Los Angeles police detective Mark Furman was sentenced to three years probation and a $200 fine after pleading no contest to perjury charges in connection to his testimony in the O.J. Simpson murder trial. In 1998, Hollywood singing cowboy Gene Autry at the age of 91. Autry was also the owner of Major League Baseball's Anaheim Angels. And finally, in 2008, almost 70 million Americans tuned into the television debate between vice presidential nominee Sarah Palin and Joe Biden. It was the largest audience for a VP debate in American history, shattering the record set in 1984 between Vice President George H.W. Bush and Democrat Geraldine Ferraro. It happened this week, and I'm Freddie Bell. Even though the federal COVID public health emergency has ended, it's important to take steps to protect yourself from the virus. The ending of the public health emergency does not change the availability of COVID-19 vaccines. Vaccines will continue to be provided by the federal government through the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act. It's also anticipated that COVID-19 vaccines will transition to the private market in early fall. You can learn more details about the transitions at the Minnesota Department of Health. Thank you for listening to New Beginnings. You can stay up to date with this show. All you have to do is go to Google or to Apple and download the Freddie Bell Radio Show's app. Yes, download the Freddie Bell Radio Show's app and you'll be up to date on everything concerning this show and anything related to Freddie Bell. More to come. Stay with us. And now our supporting partner, AARP in the Twin Cities. 
Hi again, everyone. I'm Freddie Bell, and joining me is Kathy McClear, AARP Minnesota State Director, and we're talking about a topic that everybody seems to be an expert about, Social Security and Medicare. And uh, it's the Medicare uh, supplement season, uh, deciding when to claim Social Security and Medicare. It's a big bugaboo. How does AARP help to make this easier, Kathy? Yeah, I mean, these are some of the biggest decisions that you will need to make when you are deciding what is your what's next and are you ready to retire? So deciding when to claim your Social Security benefits and then which Medicare plan to sign up for. Um, Of course, uh, open enrollment begins October 15th and runs through December 7th. And there are all kinds of decisions you need to make, even if you've had a Medicare plan for a while. It really is a good idea to do your homework and review the plan that you have. Think about those uh, three C's, right? Your cost, your coverage, and your convenience. Mm. Are you able to get your prescriptions filled uh, at, a, at a location near you? Um, and so now is the time to re- really be doing that homework and getting as much information as you can get. And that's where AERP comes in. We have lots of resources and information, and we can help you get connected with the experts to help you make those really important decisions. Talk about the AARP Social Security Resource Center. Yeah, so this is really great. The Resource Center is there to help you make that informed decision about when you want to claim your Social Security benefits. So you can claim benefits as early as 62, um, but they might be at a reduced benefit depending on when you were born. If that's not your full retirement age, you might be leaving money on the table. But if you can work until your full retirement age at the age of 67, uh, you will get your full benefits. And if you want to keep working, if you are engaged and you still love what you do and you want to stay in the workforce, by all means, go ahead. And if you can put off claiming Social Security until you're 70, Uh, your benefit will be even higher. But our Social Security Resource Center will really um, help you make that decision. Uh, It has some calculators to help you determine how much Social Security you will be uh, eligible for, help you determine what your full retirement age, and then answer all kinds of questions like, can you work while collecting Social Security? The short answer to that is yes, you can, but I would encourage folks to go to that resource center Um, for the full details. So it's not a one size fits all when it comes to social security, is it? No, it's not. Uh, You know, it all depends on your earnings over a lifetime, if you've been married and maybe you wanna claim on your spouse's benefits. Um, So there are lots of things to consider and that's where um, those frequently asked questions and that calculator and those, those resources can really come in handy. When I was looking at the Resource Center, what really stood out to me were the on-demand webinars. Talk about that. Yeah, we have a number of online resources, so right at your fingertips where uh, you can uh, watch a video and uh, get all that information that you need if uh, webinars are the way you like to learn. Um, But I should also say we have a number of upcoming events right here in the Twin Cities that if you prefer that one-on-one interaction, uh, if you prefer to meet face-to-face with somebody, this is your opportunity to do that. And there are a number of uh, events coming up. We also at our Information Center out of the Mall of America, we will be having some Medicare uh, one-on-one counseling sessions that are uh, put on by the senior linkage line uh, with those, those unbiased Medicare counselors to really help you dive into what those benefits are and and what is the right uh, fit for you. 
Before we step away, I think it's important to tick off some upcoming dates that our listeners should be aware of. And one is like right around the corner, a Medicare open enrollment. What are some other ones that follow right behind that, Kathy? Right. So, um, yeah, on the 15th of October, Medicare open enrollment starts. Uh, on the 24th, uh, we have a session called uh, Open Enrollment, Maximizing Your Medicare Choices. And then throughout the month of October and November, uh, we have those one-on-one counseling sessions that we'll be offering at the Mall of America at the AARP Information Center. And you can either uh, find more information about that at aarp.org forward slash MN or you can contact the Senior Linkage Line to schedule those one-on-one appointments at 800-333-2433. Kathy, I can't thank you enough for telling us about these important dates and what to do with Social Security and making sure that our long-term life and our health is all taken care of. She's Kathy McClear, and this is New Beginnings. It's so great that you join us this weekend on New Beginnings and Little Fun right now. In Romania, a man was sued by his neighbor because his dog snores so loudly that they can't sleep at night. The dog named Sumo, a massive Neapolitan Mastiff, could be heard in every apartment of the building. Researchers in Iowa found that when people drink wine, a lot of them don't even realize how much they're consuming because of variables like the size, shape, or color of the glass. A standard serving size is five ounces, but researchers found that participants poured 12% more wine into a wide glass than a narrow one because we tend to judge volume by height, not width. Study participants also poured more into glasses they held in their hands as opposed to a glass sitting on a table. And most divorces happen in these two months. <laughs> Bang! Shoot! I'm going to the moon! More divorces happen in March and August than in any other month, according to a study from the University of Washington. The researchers speculated that couples avoid filing for divorce around Christmas and New Year's, as well as when school is out for the summer because these times are considered sacred to families. And the latest conspiracy theory is that the nationwide emergency broadcast system will send a signal to cell phones to activate nanoparticles that have been introduced into people's bodies through COVID-19 vaccines. The nationwide test will consist of two portions, with the WEA portion being directed to all consumer cell phones and the EAS portion being sent to radios and televisions. There is nothing wrong with your television set. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are controlling transmission. If we wish to make it louder, we will bring up the volume. If we wish to make it softer, we will tune it to a whisper. We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. We can roll the image, make it flutter. We can change the focus to a soft blur or sharpen it to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit quietly and we will control all that you see and hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your television set. You are about to participate in a great adventure. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits.
If you see something weird, be sure to let me know right here at New Beginnings. Just for fun this week with New Beginnings, and I'm Freddie Bell. Today, while you're going about your normal routine, 1,370 seniors will fall victim to financial fraud. Never saw it coming. Many will lose their life savings. He wiped us out. The Center for Combating Elder Financial Abuse conducts extensive research and provides comprehensive training to individuals and organizations to help prevent elder financial abuse. He wiped us out. How could this happen? Join the fight at endefa.org. Vaccines.gov is your trusted source for vital vaccine information, offering a user-friendly platform to access up-to-date details on vaccines, including COVID-19, discover nearby vaccination locations, understand vaccine safety, and access resources for healthcare providers. With multilingual support and comprehensive educational materials, Vaccine.gov empowers individuals and communities to make informed decisions, promoting public health through vaccination. Stay informed, stay protected, is all at your fingertips on Vaccines.gov, a message from the Minnesota Department of Health. This is a news-oriented broadcast, and all information is educational in nature is not intended to be legal, securities, tax, or insurance advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional before acting on information heard during the broadcast. You're listening to New Beginnings. New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. Today we're going to talk about the biggest mistakes people make with Roth conversions and how to avoid them. We're going to talk about Aunt Irma, Uncle Ronald RMD, and our good old friend Uncle Sam. So stick around while we go through the nitty gritty of what you need to know before doing a Roth conversion. Hi, everyone. I'm Freddie Bell. And now it's time to talk finance with Label Sternbach, Amazon's best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety. And he's also the author of the book Authenticity. On this episode of Label on Fire, we're going to be talking about all the uncles and all the aunts and all the Roth IRAs. Label, hello and welcome back to the show. I'm doing good. How are you? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, I'm really uh, excited about this, but I don't want to assume that our audience know exactly what a Roth conversion is. Can we start there as a basic to lay the foundation? Yeah. So a Roth conversion, and I'm I'm going to use my definition of a Roth conversion, which I think is a, a little different than, you know, kind of the industry standard which is the way I look at a Roth conversion is you deciding when and how to pay taxes on your retirement money. Traditionally, you would have, you know, the the IRS would determine when you take that money out or when you take it out to fund your lifestyle, you pay taxes on it. Doing a Roth conversion allows you to pull that money out of that account when it's convenient for you, pay taxes on it, and then set it aside in a tax-free account that grows tax-free. And when you take the money out, it's tax-free. And obviously, we're talking about the government, so there's always strings attached. But for the most part, for planning purposes, generally speaking, right, that money gets to be tax-free for the future. And it's about prepaying that taxes when it's convenient for you. All right. We're talking with Label Sternbach about Roth conversion. So it seems like there's a lot of opinions out there, Label, about Roth conversions. Do them uh, when you are in the lower tax bracket, as you mentioned. Don't trigger something called an IRMA or an IRMA. Go into a higher tax bracket. What are your thoughts? Let's just take them one at a time, if you don't mind. So let, let's talk about what IRMA is, um, and then we can talk about whether, you know, in understanding what it is, you can decide whether it's something that really matters to you, right? Um, 
So, so when we talk about you know retirement, right? We've got Social Security, we've got Medicare, um, and you know you got your income needs. And so, when we are taking Medicare, Medicare is an insurance program run by the government, right? It's run by the Social Security Administration, and they charge you a premium, right, for having this insurance. Now, depending on you know what you're getting and whatnot, they may say, "Well, it's free for you, or you have to pay you know X number of dollars." Irma is a surcharge, you know, a, a tax, if you will, that is levied upon people who make quote unquote too much money. So, if you make too much money in retirement, the you know Medicare administration, Social Security administration will come to you and they will say, "Well, listen, you're making too much money. We need you to pay more in insurance because you can afford it." Now we know that that you know is kind of irrelevant, um, mm-hmm. but that's just one of the ways that our government kind of puts the stealth tax. You know, they nobody cares about it except for those people who are retired and you know who are you know actually trying to get you know get by on more than rice and beans. Um, um, you know, they, they have to worry about this Irma. Um, so Irma is a surcharge that is charged on how much you pay for your Medicare. The question really is, you know, when people get scared about it and they're like, well, I don't want to trigger that Irma, the, you know, don't, don't get, you know, don't get, uh, sidetracked from the reason why you would be doing Roth conversions, Roth conversions, you know, they, when you pull the money out, it becomes taxes, ordinary income. It shows up on your tax return. It can trigger Irma, you know, that surcharge. If you're pulling out too much money, no different than if you were paying, you know, getting paid uh, a lot in a in, in W-2 job. Um, the real question becomes, is the amount of money that you're saving, right, that you were willing to pay this upfront taxes on, is it still more, you know, factoring in Irma than you would if you waited until later and pulled, you know, your money out as the government wants? And so you really just need to factor that into your calculation and not look at it as something that I'm scared to trigger Irma, right? It's it's just money that you're paying to the government and really it doesn't matter whether it's going to the IRS or it's going to the Medicare administration. So that's really simple. Is it, is it as simple as, okay, I understand what I'm doing. Just making a calendar entry, for example, to know when you should uh, act on certain aspects of IRMA or RMDAs. Um, so the required minimum distributions is, is you know that that you'll know ahead of time because that's the government says you know depending on your age, this is how much money you have to pull out of your retirement accounts each year. You know, right. it used to be seventy and a half, then they moved it to seventy two. Now it's seventy three, depending you know depending on your age, um, and so. Depending on how old you are, you know, every year they say, well, you have to pull out this percentage of money from your retirement accounts, your traditional retirement accounts, your 401ks, your 403bs, you know, your IRAs. Um, so you need to pull that money out. When you pull that money out, it gets taxed as ordinary income as if you got paid for a job, right? So this allows Congress to, you know, kind of harvest this investment they've made in your future by letting you get that tax uh, tax deduction when you put the money in. Um, so they're, they're guaranteeing that they're going to get their money back, that you're not going to be able to sit on that money tax-free for forever. Now, having said that, right, so those are required minimum distributions. If you are, if the amount of money that you need to live on is going to be less than your required minimum distributions, um, or you're worried that taxes are going to go up significantly in the future, 
then you would, right? Conceivably, it would make sense that you would save money if you pay taxes now on your money rather than waiting for some time in the future. Mm-hmm. But like anything in life, it's not that simple, right? If it was a simple calculation, we wouldn't have 80,000 you know, pages of the IRS tax code. We wouldn't have you know, the most complex tax system in the world um, because, you know, that's what keeps people in business. Um, We would, you know, things would be very simple and we'd be like other countries. So because we have that complexity, that means that those calculations aren't so straightforward and you've got to factor in things like Irma. You've got to factor in, you know, the tax deductions and tax exclusions um, because all of those things have an impact on how much taxes you're actually going to pay. And I think you should just look at Irma and RMDs as, you know, those are things that could influence your decision one way or the other. Now, you know, for, from my standpoint, generally speaking, I've, I've very rarely seen Irma have a significant impact. And I would I would really I would really say that if you're if the deciding factor for you of whether to do a Roth conversion or not is based on your Irma on that surcharge that you have for earning too much, I think that you need to reevaluate whether actually a Roth conversion makes sense for you or not. Because if if that is a factor in your calculation, chances are that you are um that you're you're hitting yourself with more taxes now than you would actually have in retirement. And you you may be uh and you're worrying you know that that should be an indication to you that the cal- that doing a Roth conversion might not actually be saving you money. Label Sternbach joining us this week. So, what's the biggest mistake in your opinion that people are making right now when they're doing these Roth conversions? I, I think the biggest mistake is looking at their retirement or looking at the Roth conversion decision in isolation, and they'll they'll say, "Well, you know, I have this money, and it's going to be subject to RMDs." They don't think about what those RMDs will be. And then they say, well, I, I just want to save as much money as possible in taxes and I'm going to convert it all. Right. Or they convert very aggressively and they don't and they look at it in isolation, isolation from, well, how much income do they actually need in retirement? Right. What their required minimum distributions are going to be in the future and will it be more than their income needs or not? Um, and then, you know, they look at it in isolation from what their potential taxes are in the future. Uh you know, it's you got to look at things in a, in context and you got to look at how it's going to impact your retirement lifestyle at the end of the day. Right. Because remember, you're paying taxes on it. That means you're taking that hit up front in terms of your portfolio balance. And I really you know, I hear people justify and saying, well, I have this money in my savings account, I have this money in my checking account to pay for the taxes. That doesn't stop it from being your money. It doesn't stop it from being money that you're going to use to fund your retirement. And you need all your dollars to be working for you. Right? Like the fact that it's in a different account doesn't stop it from being money that should be working for you. And so when it comes to doing these calculations, you really you got to think about it as you're doing calculus, not algebra. Right. You're not doing simple arithmetics. You're doing a complex equation that has multiple pieces moving together at the same time. And you need to really see how it interacts with those other pieces. Otherwise, I can virtually guarantee that you're going to be making the wrong decision. So making wrong decisions, what about the mistakes people make with the five-year rule? Can you explain what that is and how people get tripped up with that? Yeah, absolutely. So the five-year rule, the five-year rule says, so there's two, there's two rules when it comes to 
Roth conversions that you really need to keep in mind. So remember, right, for, for every positive thing that we have, there is a counterweight to it, right? There, there's no such thing as a free lunch, uh, especially in this country, right? We, we firmly do not believe in free lunches. Um, and so when you do a Roth conversion and you take that money and you say, and, and Congress is basically saying, we're not going to, you know, take taxes from it ever again. So we're relinquishing our rights to that money. In theory, that doesn't mean they can't come back later and change their minds. Um, but as the tax code is written right now, right, they're relinquishing their rights. But in order to do that, they're going to give you some caveats. One caveat is they're going to say, we want this money to be used for retirement, right? We don't want you to use this money for, you know, buying a business. We don't want you to use this money to go on a vacation. We want this for your retirement. And in order to ensure that it's for your retirement, you can't touch this until you're 59 and a half or for five years. Now, keep in mind, this only applies to the growth, right? So because you already pay taxes on your, your contribution or your conversion, right? So it doesn't apply to that money. You can pull that out. But it's on the growth when you take that money out and you're not paying taxes on this money that ordinarily you would have paid money on because it's new money. Um, that's where these penalties start coming in and they want you to have had it in the account for five or more years um, and be 59 and a half. And this applies to every single conversion you do, right? So every time you do a conversion, it starts a new five-year clock. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're doing this conversion, if you, again, it's another one of those red flags. If you're like, I'm going to be living on this money in the next five years, chances are a Roth conversion is not right for you, not because of this rule, but because you're not going to have enough time to actually realize any of the benefits and all you're doing is front-loading your taxes. Which, again, right, just because you're front-loading your taxes doesn't mean it's a wrong decision, but it might not be the right decision for you. you got to look into the context. And I literally, you know, I, a day doesn't go by where I don't talk to one retiree where, you know, I give one recommendation and say, this is absolutely the best decision for you. And then to someone else, I'll say the exact same thing is the absolute worst thing that they can do for their retirement, for the financial security and retirement. And it's all because, you know, everything is really based on your personal situation. What's right for one person is not right for the next person. And you got to figure out how these numbers work together. That makes sense. Got one final question before we have to step away. Can you give us, as we as we say goodbye, some tips on avoiding Roth conversion mistakes label? N number one, don't give in to the fear mongering that, you know, taxes are going to go up. And so therefore you should do Roth conversions, right? That that That's tip number one. Figure out the numbers, map it out and see if it makes sense for you. Right. Don't don't do don't make financial decisions on something that maybe will happen. Make decisions based on things that you have a high, high degree of certainty about. That's number one. Number two, don't do not get um, caught up in this illusion of tax free money in retirement using life insurance. Um, they're, they, this is all the rage now. People are, they, they really are preying on people on this tax free money in retirement using life insurance. It is not quite what it looks like. Um, and so what you need to, you really need to make sure that whatever you're doing makes sense for you and map it out. And you should have no doubts that this is the best thing, the best decision for you. And if you aren't certain that you're making the best decision, then I would really question whether it is uh, what you should be doing. 
Makes a lot of sense. We got to leave it right there. But if you like more information about Roth conversions and also all the acronyms that we share with you today, just go to yields4u.com. That's yields, the number four, the letter u.com for more information. Join us again next week as we discuss specific strategies for how to make the most of your Roth conversion. I'm Freddie Bell and more New Beginnings is straight ahead. Here are today's words to the wise. Be a miracle. I think it's a beautiful and profound reminder of the transformative power of kindness, compassion, and selflessness. It encourages individuals to make a positive difference in the lives of others, even in small ways. Miracles don't have to be extraordinary or supernatural. They can be acts of love, generosity, and genuine care that bring light to someone's world. By being a miracle, you have the ability to touch hearts, inspire change, and create a ripple effect of goodness in the world. Being a miracle reminds us that we can all play a part in making the lives of those around us better. And in doing so, we become a beacon of hope and positivity. Today's words to the wise, be a miracle. If you'd like to learn more, visit me at my website, freddiebell.com, and you can download the app, Freddie Bell Radio Shows. We'll be right back. As New Beginnings continues, we now take you to the spirituality portion of our program, where we introduce the Senior Minister of Unity South Twin Cities, the Reverend James Stacy. We now join Reverend Stacy with a program already in progress. Charles Fillmore, our co-founder of Unity, said, That is your divine name. I, or I am. No one can speak that. I can never say I, meaning Carol Moen. Only Carol can speak that divine name referring to herself and her creator. But none of the rest of of us can. You have no other name in your life, no other description, no other title that is as special as I. Or, I am. It is essential. Well, we'll leave this little debate for now, but just remember the importance of that single letter, that little iota, that little detail in your life. A greatly expanded perspective on this term, I am, is Christ, the Christ of God, the individualization of the infinite as you, the spark of the eternal, everlasting nature within you as God's creation. In unity, it was taught by our founders and other teachers through the decades, a distinct meaning when we speak of God as infinite and eternal source, the all of all. And then when we speak of Christ, yes, expressed in the amazing human being we know as Jesus of Nazareth. But in pure truth, 
the Christ is the spark of the infinite individualized. Do you get that idea? That of all there is, all there ever will be, all there can be, infinite source. There is a seed of that source in you, in you, in you. That's an idea that makes me want to say, wow, wow, think of it. Think of it. Do you ever feel disconnected as I do? Discouraged in my Jamesness, in my little me? Then it's time to recapture, rethink, refeel this truth, this divine seed. Spark, being, presence, the incarnation within each individual. Charles Fillmore said, We are each God's perfect idea of being. And he hooked that all together with hyphens. You are God's perfect idea of being as you. Eric Butterworth, the beloved unity teacher in New York, with his many beloved works, books, even Oprah Winfrey said that turned her life around his book, Discover the Power Within You. It helped her, helped her grasp before her career blossom this idea this truth, this power that has incarnated in your very being. Wow, Sharon, wow. So this Christ we can use in our prayer time. We've often heard in Christian teaching, to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. To pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus even referred to that in the Gospels. So far, you have not prayed in my name. But when you do, you will have power. You will have answers. You will have blessings. So I grew up in the church thinking, well, as long as I remembered to slap on the end of my prayer request the name Jesus Christ, boy, that really sealed it. That did it. But now I begin to wonder, I don't think that's quite what that mysterious teaching, what Jesus called us to do. To pray in the name if you prefer, pray in the name of God, of all that there is. But it's to pray in the consciousness, the perspective of that truth. So to pray in the name of Jesus Christ is to pray in that Christ consciousness. 
that great awakening. Now, don't be hesitant to pray in that nature, in that Christ consciousness, saying, I haven't arrived yet. I'm not worthy to pray. I can't even conceive of Christ consciousness. But the great missionary, the great developer, initiator of Christianity throughout the Mediterranean world, was Paul. And he had many formulas, many ways of saying, catch this idea of the Christ mind. Let the same mind be in you that is in Jesus Christ. Let the same mind be in you. You don't have to say, I'm not good enough yet. That's throwing it all to the future again. You capture that perspective. Well, let me get to my theme. The Christ within. Do you understand that within as a preposition, a place, a location, Ah, yes, the Christ within me. Within my mind, within my heart, the essence of my being. Yes, that is true. But the Christ being infinite is within all. So that word within can be a preposition, a locator, you know, where something is located, well, it's in Tim. You just heard a message coming from the Reverend James Stacy, the Senior Minister of Unity South in the Twin Cities. More information is found at their website at unitysouth.org. Thank you so much for joining me this weekend and it's National Child Health Day. The day recognizes the care and guidance children need to grow strong and be healthy. Every child deserves to be the healthiest he or she can be. From the food they eat to the words they hear, children require support and opportunities to grow. Parents often worry about chronic diseases, accidents, or childhood illnesses. At the same time, they focus on a child's mental health and general health. Whether it's their environment, the food they eat, or how much television they watch, the day is an excellent opportunity to support the children in your life. Go for a walk, play in the park, do some yard work, or participate in activities to promote child health. Other ways to participate is to ensure that your vaccinations are up to date, schedule a routine dental checkup, add new healthy activities to your children's routine, set an example by letting your children catch you in a healthy habit, inspect your child's toys, are they broken or age-appropriate, and finally, share best tips for helping your child live a healthy lifestyle. And if you have some tips, let us know right here at New Beginnings. That's our show, and thanks to our special guests for stopping by and sharing information that we hope can change lives. If you missed any of today's show, you can subscribe to our podcast or just Google Freddie Bell or stop by my website of the same name. Thanks for listening, and remember that each day is a chance for a new beginning. See you next week.